0: Hi, I'm Maryelle Hemingway. As a mental health advocate and author, I love books. Books have the capacity to inspire, educate, transform, and ultimately help readers all over the world. So if you want to publish your book, or if you need help writing your story, I highly recommend Mindstir Media, rated the number one best book publisher around the country. Mindstir Media can help you no matter where you are in the book writing or publishing process. Go to MindsterMedia.com to learn more and schedule a consultation. This episode is brought to you by Mindster Media and the Sunrise segment of the Outcomes of Sun Podcast Radio.
1: Better, yeah, yeah, and now, Outcomes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi.
0: Welcome to Outcomes the Sun radio podcast. We are so excited. Again, today we have another great guest, but I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep it on the QT. I'm a QT. I'll keep it on the QT right now. But first, we're going to do our little sunrise with Melissa and Mariel. Because that's what we do. We yeah. catch up on life, on communication, on all kinds of things. So what are we going to talk about today, Melissa? What are we catching up on today?
2: Yeah, I I was talking to you the other day, and I think it's worth you and I sharing, about mm-hmm. people's relationship with money. Oh, yes. Your relationship to people is one thing you have to navigate through life. But then when you think about our relationship to money, a wow. lot of it is, is is imprinted on our brain from wee wee childhood to where we really don't have any concept of what this thing called money is. All we know is it either creates a lot of joy or it creates a lot of stress. And so we feel that vibrational energy in it as it as it moves around us. And, I, you know, I, I find it fascinating. I was reading something recently um, about a, a man was talking about how to break the generational tie you have in your relationship to money. And he said, first you have to get really quiet and understand what that means, right. where it came from, and try to be very honest with yourself about that relationship to money and how it has affected you. And he said, go back as far as you can. Right. So that's a quiet moment that I think some people may not understand that it's in their power to slow down right. and, 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 and find out what that is. Where did I start to get this idea that money is scary or, it's, or um, money is the root of all evil, or whatever the phrase is that they've adopted from childhood
0: right well you know it's so interesting because i grew up you know the one side was like we were we were totally comfortable with money because they had money at some level but my mother being a um what do you call it a uh a, a kid from the depression, depression you know she was she saved thing she saved things in the refrigerator for weeks it was a little frightening like it was disgusting. <laughs> it was kind of gross. But she, you know, she saved things. She he was and she had this terrible relationship with money. And that was how I was led to believe that, you know, money was bad. And and I remember it was, it's interesting. I went we went to a person's house that lived down the road from us on Highway 75 in Idaho. And they had this beautiful house and we went in and i was mesmerized it was so pretty it had a little like bridge over a creek and it you know like it was so cool and i tale, i kept yeah. saying you know i was 10 or something and i kept saying oh my gosh your house is so beautiful it's just so lo- so nice i wish i could have a house like this my mother got so mad at me when we got home she said you don't ever you just I don't know even what the lesson was, but it, I mean, I was so careful about like expressing like excitement over, over abundance, you know, right. like abundance over, uh, g- glamorous thing. you know, it, it, I felt tremendous shame about it. And, you know, uh, you and I work with somebody, y- you know, Dr. Dana. So yes, yes. we work with this woman. She does, um, what do they call it? What trigger therapy. It's trigger therapy and it's called something. Anyway, I'm I've lost my mind. It'll come to me. Uh, and and she works on those emotional ties that we have to money, to the to our relationship. And we really do have to change, change that dialogue as a society. It's you know, money, like you say all the time, and you remind me of money is energy. Money's energy. It's energy. It's just the exchange of energy. And if you don't have that exchange. That's right. Then You know, it, it, it's actually not good. So giving your services away for free and all that stuff, even, even though we're so it's ingrained in us, it's like, oh, and especially if you're on a spiritual path, you think it's just bad. Right. We 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 think, oh, my goodness, you know, this is not a good thing. I I find this conversation so um, well, I think it's
2: important for all of us to have it you know yes. and find out where your trigger where your triggers are right well, and i want to encourage people to have this conversation before you commit to any kind of relationship whether it be personal or professional you get into a marriage you get into a business relationship you room with friends the conversation around money needs to be as vital a topic as how do you guys feel about cleanliness how do you feel about whatever your topics of, of importance are how do you feel about belief system in business and, in, and in, in personal life, you've got to have a conversation about money. you got to get comfortable. A lot of people say, no, no, let them take care of it. Recently, and I can wrap this up. I know we've, we've got an, um, a most amazing, lovely guest. And I want us to wrap up, and I don't want to bump into anyone's time. But I, one thing I do want to say is, and we can dive into this later if you if you would like, Marielle, is yes. I'm understanding the power of energy that it has over people as life is passing. So as wills and trust and everything start coming into the conversation with family members as they age, you see a different dynamic start to pop up that maybe everyone kept suppressed for a long time. So that energetic conversation around money should be had early and often to keep it flowing beautifully like a river.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, that was lovely. And yeah, stay tuned everybody, don't go away. We've got the most amazing guest and she's actually somebody I've, I've become quite fond of number one and quite close to number two and I've done two projects with her so I'm excited to to introduce my next step so stay tuned we will get to our guest very very soon come back
2: Santa Barbara. You're listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi, that'd be me, right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara.
1: Hi, it's Kevin Nealon. I have a new book out now called I Exaggerate My Brushes with Fame. It's a collection of my caricatures and accompanying anecdotes. Also, if that's not enough for you, I have a little hiking show on YouTube. It's a web series. It's called Hiking with Kevin. But more importantly, right now, you're listening and watching Out Comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Enjoy.
0: Welcome, everybody, to Outcomes the Sun radio podcast. We have an amazing guest. Uh, of, uh, actually, she's become a friend of mine. Her name is Mary McCluskey. She is a writer. She is a doctor. She is extraordinary. She helps children. And uh, Melissa and I, we are passionate about helping children. I'm going to read you what I wrote, kind of a, a simulation of what I wrote for your book, uh, my m- my foreword to your book. So. I'm going to I'm going to start with my father, Jack Hemingway, was the eldest son of the famous American writer, Ernest Hemingway. He was one of the most important writers of the 20th century and now the 20th, 21st century. And he's still considered one of the greatest writers of all time. My father lived in the shadow of that greatness and never knew how to measure up to the world renowned Ernest Hemingway. The legacy of creativity from my amazing grandfather was a gift to all of us, but also an overwhelming responsibility. Many members of my family struggled with both mental illness and addiction. My trauma came from watching my siblings and parents fall apart from their inability to communicate. I I was hoping as a young girl, as young as eight years old, uh, that I could be the person in the family that could make everything better for everyone. I thought that if I was really good and helpful to my parents, that I could help make their pain go away. Of course, as a child, I had no clue that my family and their issues were completely normal or that they weren't mine. What I did understand is that I didn't always feel seen or heard as a child. I believed by trying to be good, I looked fine in their eyes. I appeared to not be a worry for anyone. It left me feeling tremendously lonely and quietly quite scared. So we love wholeheartedly our siblings, our parents, our friends, and of course, our pets if we have them. No one can genuinely prepare us for the journey that growing up entails. There may be exposures in our young lives that are daunting and hugely traumatic. We simply have faith in the ones we love to protect. Uh, that that we simply love and that simply love and protect us, and faith that our world will be okay. We oftentimes carry terrifying feelings with us based on events that happen to us and around us. When those in place to help us don't have the answers, we need the tools to help us get us get through those scary and misunderstood times and misunderstood feelings. So here today it was a very long. <laughs> i read my forward. I don't know what I was thinking. Beautiful. Uh, here today on Outcomes the Sun is Dr. Mary McCluskey to help us with some uh-huh. of these questions that. Well, what I love about your work, really, after all that said, you know, in my own childhood, you know, that's my story. But when you're in it and when you're a child, those questions are big and those feelings of loneliness are enormous. And what you do with your books and and your work is really help children to understand, you know, and and learn to, to communicate. I think that I think that what was so hard about my childhood is that I had no ability to communicate. I actually felt stifled and scared to communicate because I thought I might get in trouble. I had some, you know, that was some weird thing. So how I, I guess my my. I don't know. I just, I welcome you, but I, I, I really, I I want to, I want you know, can I start by saying it's not weird at all. <laughs> okay. Good.
3: It's not okay. weird at all. And it's exactly what I see all the time and is just, you know, rampant with children in society is the sense of, you know, not being able to express themselves. And yeah. I do think that most issues come from that, from this fear of not being able to because either they're going to get in trouble or they're wrong, there's something wrong with them. But just this sense of not being able to be themselves um, creates so so many problems in our
0: society. So, how do you address that? How do you address that with children? I mean, because it is a different kind of conversation to have with a child, right? I mean, how do you bring that up? What do you... What do you I think I think being a parent, but you know I long since screwed my parents, kids up so no, I'm sorry <laughs> I mean honestly, I, I wish I'd had this ability to communicate in the way that you do. I'd love for you to explain kind of how you go about extrapolating the, the questions and then getting them to communicate with you because that's the hardest thing about talking with a child is there, you know there's a way of getting in, right? And right. I think that you have that way. So maybe you could explain a, a bit of your process.
3: Well, you know, it's it's interesting, Mary. It's it's one of the reasons that I've written the I've written my books because I find that using them as a therapeutic tool and having them read the story and read about the characters, having different feelings normalizes their feelings and gets them to open up more. So oftentimes it's a really good conduit into you know, well, what did you think about, um, you know, when Sasha said this? And then all of a sudden they feel like, oh, okay, it's okay to feel shame or whatever feeling it might be. And a lot of times kids don't have the vocabulary. And again, that was a, a reason that that I wrote the book was, was to kind of give them the tools because language is really important. And if they can um express themselves verbally, it makes things a lot easier. A lot of times in kids, we see um, somatic symptoms, we see stomach aches, headaches, you know, all sorts of body issues. Um, you may be familiar with the book, The Body Keeps the Score. Bessel van der wrote it. It's a wonderful book and it talks about how our bodies store trauma. And so a lot of times, you know, I, I work with a lot of, I, I work with both children and adults and, and when working with adults, I'm also working with the child, the child part of the adult, of course, right? Because there's, there's so much healing that needs to happen and it all does stem from these childhood wounds. Um, So getting them to open up, you know, it it depends on the child, but a lot of times I actually find that, you know, when they're not able to express why they're feeling anxious, which is something we see all the time, they're feeling, you know, anxiety. I say, can you, can you draw or paint your anxiety? Mm. And then they're able to actually put it on paper and draw, you know, a beautiful whatever. And, and to then to kind of give, Give voice to it by saying, "I drew this because I was thinking about this," and it just it kind of helps to give them a different medium um, because children nine years. need that, and it's also helpful the creativity to um, to kind of let their let their own light shine. A lot of times, you know, I think kids these days are way too structured, um, have way too many activities, and it doesn't leave a lot of time for them to create. And to problem solve in the same way that it did years ago, Absolutely.
0: and Melissa well, and I talk about that all the time. Just the fact that our childhoods were so different. You know, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. Our childhoods, you know, in the summer, you took off at eight nine a.m. and you weren't back till eight nine p.m. And well, you the know, came on. came back for dinner. Yeah. You know, there was a thing. But and you felt safe. And you know, there's a whole list of reasons why you don't. We don't do that, but and and i tried to create a bit of that with my own children because i do think we've structured the heck out of them so mm-hmm. that they don't have time to just use their imagination and fe- go through feelings don't you agree i don't know absolutely and actually i think imagination
3: is probably if not the most but one of the most healing parts of therapy mm-hmm. is being able to Reimagine things, reimagine your past, your life. Um, I do a therapy called EMDR. um, And it is so incredible because it helps to reprocess trauma in a way that the person can actually use their own internal resources, which is their creativity, their imagination, and really just utilizing what they need to kind of recreate a different narrative for themselves that helps to clean their nervous system. Right. Because our all of our trauma gets trapped in our nervous systems, in our bodies. And so it's really it's opened my eyes to really the power of imagination, which kids have down. Right. Oh, yeah. And we need to really foster that more. You know, I think it, it gets when when people get older, you know, the, the play stops and um the imagination is is kind of underutilized but i think it's really important that you know we find ways of tapping into the creative um creative ability of people in general not just children
0: absolutely dr. well McCles- don't come over to our house cuz bobby and i are always playing
2: go ahead melissa <laughs> i was going to ask dr mccleskey first of all thank you for being here and secondly i I've having raised two children myself. Now they're ages 21 and 23 and they seem to be raising me. So one of the things that I've, I, I have a question for you. We've, Marilyn, and I talk about frequently is mindset mm-hmm. is. And so when, if someone has experienced trauma in his or her life mm-hmm. and they come, then now they're a parent, but they're recognizing and maybe they don't like that they are parenting in the same fashion in the way that perhaps they were parented as a mm-hmm. child. And they can recognize that oh, I don't I didn't like it when mom or dad did that, and here I am doing it. And it's it's this locked-in mindset that we often have is just doing what we did, what was done to us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be as egregious as physical abuse, but it can be emotional or or it can be emotional abuse, which is traumatic as well. So mm-hmm. when an adult comes to you, what are some of the first steps aside from identifying what he or she has has suffered through so, so they can put a name to it and identify it clearly. What are some of the tools that you work with them so that they don't, if they have a desire to not pass this on, this generational trauma?
3: So you're talking about parents, when, right. parents when parents come to me. Um, so, you know, the fact that they're coming at all, I mean, first of all, I congratulate them because that's, that's the first step. I mean, kids who are suffering are coming from parents that are suffering it's almost always a parallel process and you know so i help the parents to work with the um what they're still struggling with which oftentimes is self-hate that's left over from their childhood right that their parents put on them and now they have the um you know that they might put onto their own children because that, that's what happens. You know, all of a sudden these parents who are self-hating all of, they want their kids to do everything right and perfect and I I vote to get perfect taken out of the dictionary because I think it's <laughs> probably the worst um <laughs> the worst thing there is but um you know parents use their children as extensions of themselves. Yes. And so, that's really where I focus on, is trying to really delineate those boundaries between the parent and the child, because they're different people, but really making that very clear. Um, And that, perhaps, that was also a problem for them Mm -hmm. growing up, and that's why. You know, so, if, if we can help them see what happened to them, it's much easier for them to say pause, I'm not going to do this to my own child. Right.
0: right. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that too, because I mean, it's classic, you know, you see, you see people pushing their kids into sports and it's, you know, and it's like, no, you've got to keep doing it. You've got to keep, you know, being competitive and really who is that about? You know, like uh, it's so, it's interesting. And it, you know what, I guess, because I've done a lot of work So much, too much work, maybe, on myself, and you know, and trying to do the right thing or whatever. It's astonishing to me that that you don't see it, but of course, you can't see what you can't see, right? Or, or you haven't addressed, or you haven't told the story of. And and let's get back to your books because your books are very, they're they're wonderful, they're they're whimsical, they're they're beautiful, but they, it, it really getting back to imagination, they're really, they encourage you to, or a kid to, to use their imagination. So you've got the, it's beautifully illustrated and, and, and it invites the children to have an imaginative experience with the book. I love that about your books. They're very, they, they help you to get to those answers, you know, for a kid.
3: Well, and that that was that was the um intent was to hope to get them to be able to kind of learn new skills and to think about things in different ways and you know, create scenarios where, you know, they can relate to the characters. But the the book started out, and I, I think this is actually an important point. The the first book, The Leader of the Parade, was based on Alfred Adler, as a psychologist back during the time of Freud. But he had he created this great educational movement that unfortunately got shut down by the Nazis. And it was really about just empowering families and teaching parents to be parents. And um, it was just a wonderful idea. That's what inspired me to write the book and create him as a character. But one of the things that um, I wanted to point out today was that he had said something that I think is so profound, which is that... Children are wonderful observers, but they are terrible interpreters. And I think it's such an important thing for parents to understand, because they notice every single thing you do, right? You you notice kids looking. You know, you're doing your hair. You're both parents, so you know how this goes. And they're just watching and watching, and they notice every every little thing, but. They can't be, they don't have the cognitive capacity to actually understand it all. And right. so then they create their own little narratives in their mind that the parents don't have access to. And then they create these life, um, Adler calls it life goals, faulty life goals where they're working with the wrong information because they were never, it was never corrected. And that's what his centers were kind of designed to do to kind of understand what children were thinking. And then if we can understand what they're thinking and they're not correct, then we can correct that. Right. And we can put them back on the right path. But too many times kids are kind of left to their own devices, especially now with the devices. Right. And they're just doing whatever they want. But they're really using a lot of faulty information because developmentally, they can't um, They can't make sense of it. And that's why parents and adults are just really important parts of how to kind of teach children how to kind of better navigate the world, Mm -hmm. right? They may look older, they may have a smartphone, all of those things, but they don't know what's going on. And they create these stories, these narratives that we have no idea about. And then all of a sudden we're finding out they're feeling suicidal and and it's all based on faulty information.
0: Well, and I mean yeah, I mean a lot of it's false. And I talk about this all the time. This the the idea that you know, we know because we also come from a different generation, but we also know because we're adults and we and we've had enough experience that we know, but looking at um you know, devices and Instagram and TikTok and this and that and seeing false, I mean, you talk about false information, It's all false. It's all like prefabricated. It's all created. It's all filtered. It's all this. And that's so hard Mm -hmm. on a kid who doesn't have the emotional experience to say, oh, well, that's crap. You know, I know that's not real. Well, parents
3: can't even say it's crap. That's the problem. No, you're
2: a direct reflection. You know, are you you're talking about the creative process for children? If I may share a, a short story here, I have a, two great nephews and a great niece and the, the oldest child is now nine and very stoic young man. And whereas his younger brother is the life of the party with all of his dancing and, and whatnot. But the older one has really taken on the crux of responsibility. And the children have experienced some trauma in their lives. And it wasn't until this past weekend that I saw or I learned of a, a breakthrough with the, the eldest child. And he was visiting my mother, his great grandma, and she's a former English teacher. And he said, do you use your computer? And she said, I do, do you know how to use it? And he said, of course. He opened it to some of my mother's writings. And he said, may I write something? And she said, please. She got him a blank sheet. He began to write poetry. Nobody in the family knew that this child could write. First of mm-hmm. all, we knew he was a bright child, but we didn't know that he had that creative flow, that haiku. Mm-hmm coming through. And he completely began writing this incredibly expressive poetry that none of us knew he had, that he was feeling any of the things that came through on these short five or six little lines that were so impactful, Dr. McCluskey. So I can imagine in your line of work when you're being, you're being the revelation Of information that comes forth from this child. I'm I'm very encouraged by what you're saying. I'm definitely purchasing your book for my nephews and nieces so they can have for their children and my own children. And me, too. I would like to learn more how I can be better. Uh,
3: I actually I actually really think they are family books. You know, they're they're really written for parents to read with their children like a family book club. Because it opens up room for discussion, for bonding, for, you know, increasing attachment. Um, that's one of the biggest things I see is that there's not, you know, um, any, any kind of mental illness. There's always an insecure or a disorganized type attachment. And so there needs to be a lot more work um, done on ha- how do we help kids feel more attached, safer, you know, safety is is also a big issue in the in the world. But I but the books are really written for families.
0: They really are, them. and they're very they're very um they're kind of doing like they're doing. I I love you know, Dr. Adler's story is so incredible because it was so long ago. Yeah, here's what I love about you know some of the great geniuses that came so long before. It's like what did they know <laughs> about the future? Yeah. You know, like, and we keep going back. Oh, right. It's, it's his, it's the way of, you know, thinking so long ago, they were on the precipice of really, because I think, I, I think those great minds knew something, something was coming. <laughs> right. I think that the, and the world, you know, Melissa and I have conversations about this. The world is changing. It's not going to go back. So we have to, I mean, Talking to you makes me realize the importance of educating children just on communication skills, communication skills and, and life skills, like everyday life skills. I mean, I talk about lifestyle things, you know, getting out in nature and eating and breathing and and exercising and drinking water, they seem so basic and, and ridiculous. Yeah, they're so important though. Those
3: are equal those are equally as important. All of those things need to be.
0: But we need I guess we need to educate people on things that we thought were just, you know, we, we breathe, so we must know how to breathe. But actually nobody knows how to breathe. You know? <laughs> nobody know and nobody knows how to communicate. And everybody's afraid to step on toes i think that's another issue of of the generation we're in now is that you don't know what's okay to say you know like that's difficult as as kids become teenagers it's like wow then you have to negotiate a whole new set of rules but it seems to me that if you can have books like yours books like you know um well, give me give me the names of your books because I want everybody to go out and buy each one of them. Please say the name of each one of your books because I love. So
3: the, the first one, the first one is the Leader of the Parade, and the second book is called Bubbles, Balloons, and Birds.
0: <laughs> I love so, the titles. So wonderful! I know it's so. And and let's get back to that play, right? Like joy. You now kids aren't playing. We we've got to get them playing. We've got to get them outside and using their imagination. Because I just started like 15 years ago and uh, damn, I'm not stopped.
2: <laughs> I'm buying you a, a basket of bubbles for your birthday. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, Melissa, uh, in, in the book, the kids use the bubbles to blow away their fears. That's the. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's. Well, then I'm I love it. <laughs> it's so oh. basic, but it's, you know, again, it's using the imagination to be oh. able to problem solve. Right. And so what's easier than taking a bubble and saying, OK, I'm going to put my fear in the bubble and I'm going to watch it pop.
0: You know, I what's really so interesting that. about you saying oh. that because I do. A, I meditate a lot and I do a lot of of my own meditation, but I also do guided meditation. And some of the best guided meditations are ones where you fill up, fill up, fill up, and then you let it you know what you fill it up with whatever you don't need and you let You let go into the universe that which doesn't serve you anymore. So absolutely. So apparently, you know, we all want to be kids again, blowing (laughs) and blowing our blowing our fears away. We we (laughs) should. Yeah, we should. This is this is such a fun conversation, such an important conversation for our audience to hear. Um, and I'm sure any of you out there with children and also with grandchildren, which I am now a grandmother, so I have a grandchild. So I'm going to get a copy of each book again, even though I've, I've got one, but I want another one to give to my daughter for for my now little grandchild, granddaughter, who's not reading yet, but I'm sure it's coming soon. That's a Hemingway.
2: She'll, she'll read. <laughs>
0: she'll, read, she'll, she'll, <laughs> she'll, read she'll
2: read. She'll write. She'll <laughs> write. She'll do it all. will do it all.
0: <laughs> Mary, thank you so much for coming on our show. We are so grateful. Thank to you so you. much for having me. I'm oh, it's so much fun. And your books, again, are so wonderful. We we really encourage everyone to, to go to your site. Let me, your site, which is com. Yes. You can go there. You can get, get her book. She's also on Facebook as facebook.com slash, uh, slash encouragement 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 inc I think right, encouragement right. inc and inc is i n k yes as inc okay so please go there get informed send your grandchildren and your children these books because they're important and they're good and they will and also you might as well just get them for yourself thank you so much Mary uh, lovely. Thank- to- Thank you so so much for having me.
3: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Good morning, everyone. You are listening to The Morning Show with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290 AM in Santa Barbara. Hi,
3: I'm Dr. Mary McCluskey, and I hope you read my new book, Bubbles, Balloons, and Birds. And I am on Outcomes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi.
1: And next, Energy with Melissa Yamaguchi. Thank
2: Welcome back to Out Comes the Sun because out comes the sun today on your radio station in your car. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm Melissa Yamaguchi and I have a little little tip to share with you. So we're heading into summer and what that means for energetically is that summer holds its own energy. It's a very, it's known as a very yawn energy. It's known as a very heavy energy and it's when our clothing needs to get lighter and i want to so here's some tips lighten up your food choices fruit is obviously so important it's it's fruit it's very fruitful very very prolific during the summer months but it's also incredibly important for your energetic constitution it keeps everything light for you so lighten up your food we don't have anything heavy that's why we don't have heavy lasagnas and stews and big souffles we don't we keep everything lighter well souffles can be light but everything really light a lot of plant based a lot of fruit based and lighter even on your protein choices then the next thing to, th- to incorporate into your world in the month of summer is the color white or pastels now i don't look especially good in pastels but if you look good in pastels then bring them on in but if you look good in whites then bring those in and the the reason it, behind that is the colors are lighter and it doesn't carry the heavy feel i my husband is is a hairstylist i'm from i come from the beauty industry with him i am want to walk around in black i do have some black linen so if you do choose darker colors as i do then make sure that the material is lighter that only that makes sense right we do cottons and linens and light lighter fabrics during the summer the next thing i want to bring to your attention is because the summer months are what we know in feng shui as fire energy you need to incorporate more water when it becomes too much fire we bring in water and now you may be thinking to yourself self melissa saying stuff that is incredibly just common sense and logical well a lot of feng shui is it's very logical so in the summer months ensure that you are incredibly hydrated water is a great balancer to too much fire so calm down the heat out comes the sun Stick around, everybody, because up next is Mariel Hemingway. Mariel's going to share her incredible wisdom when it comes to creating health and balance in your life. Stay tuned.
0: Hello, wonderful humans out there. I am Roy Zatiski from mywildlife.com, and you are listening to Out Comes the Sun with Marielle Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Hey everyone, you're listening to the morning show with Marielle
2: Hemingway, me and Melissa Yamaguchi. That'd
0: be me. <laughs> right here on KZSB 96.9 FM and 1290
1: AM in Santa Barbara. And now Mariel Hemingway with Balance.
0: Thank you, everybody. And thank you, Melissa, for that introduction into the balance tip of the day. Um, So you've been talking about summer. I'm going to continue on this uh mode of summer talk. Summer is a time, I mean, and you brought up water. Water is so incredibly important. This is the time of year. I mean, it's it's always the time of year to drink water. But connecting with water is really important. It's it's just you know, you want to hydrate. Hydration is incredibly important for our well-being on so many levels. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but 90% of most humans on the planet are in a drought, physically in a drought. They don't drink enough water. A lot of people believe that if it's liquid, it's it's hydrating you. Liquid doesn't hydrate you. Coffee, tea, diet drinks, this, that, and the other thing. They do not hydrate. Water is the only thing that really hydrates. So, when you think about water, I really want you to focus. Water is your main source of liquid in the body, right? We are made up of, gosh, as a baby, you're 90%. You're 90% water. You're 90% saline solution. you just come out of this beautiful, warm, and delicious you know saline and you've come into the world and you're still kind of part of that it's like we come from the sea we uh, apparently initially we we did come sort of evolve out of the out of the ocean so always remember you know that we we need water so as an adult we should be made up of 70 70 to 75% water but most people are like 55 to 65 And uh, something that Bobby talks about often is when, you know, when when somebody dies and I'm not not trying to be morbid, but when somebody dies and they go into the morgue, what they do to, you know, if if there's an open casket is they they fill them with with water with saline solution and all of a sudden you know people will often say oh my gosh they, they look so peaceful they look so young it's because they've been so dehydrated prior to that that they did look old aging has a lot to do with losing fluid in the body so drinking water is beyond important so here's one of the things i do i wake up in the morning you know and after i've done a a, a a bit of stretching in bed and and some gratitude thoughts and a little bit of meditation. Although I do a major meditation after my water, I go into the kitchen and we spin water. We have a thing called the vitalizer plus it makes the water. Uh, it's called functional water. Regardless, it doesn't have to be that, but I do put minerals in my water and I also add a little bit of Redmond's real salt and that, and the reason why I do salt is we, we need salt. After a night of being asleep, salt activates. We're made up of of, of electricity. So, salt helps activate our, our cells and everything. So, I do a little bit of salt and I do 32 ounces, right? I kind of guzzle 32 ounces right away. That sounds like a tremendous amount of water and it is. But because our water is filled with minerals and, you know, we don't immediately go pee, right? It's just, it's because your body needs it. It needs that hydration and starting the day that way. It's incredible. I'm going to tell a little, a little story about, and I, I sometimes suffer from like, I'll have hip pain or back pain. When I do my Redmond's real salt and my water and I'm hydrated enough, that back pain will go away within a half an hour. It's astonishing how water and water and minerals really just enable the body and the joints to function better. So that's my tip of the day. Please, please, please. We had summer coming. You got to drink water. You got to drink water all the time. Start right now. Have, all of us, we're just going to run and go have a drink of water. I, I don't know where my water is, but oh,
2: here it is. Here it is. I just had my drink and sometimes my back hurts so much. I just might go out and get a salt cube and lick on that for a while. Yes. No, it doesn't work it, that way. It's not, okay. you know, it's not a joke.
0: No, it, I don't think it is. You,
2: talk, you told me that. Yeah. Now
0: we live in a society that's like, don't eat salt. You get high blood pressure. Yeah. Bad salt. Don't, you know, don't Morton's iodized salt, which is processed, is not good for you. But Redmond's Real Salt is good for you. And I said this on a tip before, but but it is it's so true. We need salt. We need water. We need them together. Do it. You'll love yourself. Do yes, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Anyway, what a great show. What, uh, you know, Mary is such an interesting I, you know, anybody you and I are both feel that way about anybody yep. who's helping little kids to right. understand their lives. And I remember what it was like being a kid who didn't know how to communicate and felt, al- you know, I wrote a book called I am in- uh, an invisible girl because I did feel invisible and no kid should feel invisible. And that's not a poor me story. It's just, you know, the truth is, we all need to help our children be more communicative and and feel safe to tell that's their right. story, to, to to tell to tell people what's going on in their lives. So thank you again. Thank you, Melissa, for being my extraordinary uh, co-host. And and I just love what we're doing together. And I love our conversations. I love the people that we're talking to. And thank you all for listening every single day to Outcomes
2: the Sun. Oh, our audience, you guys help us vibrate. You might just see Marilyn me flying through the sky. The vibrations are so high. You guys are lifting us up. Yep.
0: And it makes you sing, which just I love. It makes me laugh. <laughs> Thank you everyone. Choose healthy. Choose you. Outcomes the Sun. Please go to Foundation.org. Help us create a resource navigator for people with mental health issues. We're coming up with solutions.
1: Outcomes the Sun has been a production of Evolve Entertainment. Hosts, Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Executive producer, Jeremiah Higgins. Sound engineer and producer, Richard, Dr. D. Dugan. And sound engineer, Slater Smith. Thank you for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.